my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Hello and welcome to Nerdstocking. I'm Doc Bill, and with me is Chatty McFly. Took the words right out of my mouth. Having been insulted by the meaningless appropriation of the DeLorean from Back to the Future for use in Steven Spielberg's hollow nostalgia porn movie Ready Player One, see our two-part review, it got me thinking about how much I actually enjoyed those movies. So tonight, Chad and I are going to ramp things up to 88 miles per hour and go back to Back to the Future! Back to the Future were good movies. And, you know, that heap of turd pile that uh, Ready Player One was... It reminded me of all the great movies that they built their terrible movie on the shoulders of. And the DeLorean, which is sort of everywhere, I've sat in it. Or at like an auto show? At a fan expo. Oh, at fan expo. Yeah. Wow. It was cool. It's the real one or just some hobby one that was put together? I don't know. You don't ask these <laughs> questions. Is that the real Batman? No, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's the real <laughs> Batman. Is that a working R2-D2 or is there a man inside the can? But uh, those movies were a lot of fun. And... Any one of them, even the third one, was better than Ready Player One. That's right. The original Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who was actually honored in Ready Player One, where they have something called the Zemeckis Cube, which is just a uh, Rubik's Cube, but it's an artifact that when you use it, it rewinds uh, time back 10 seconds. Hmm. So that's Spielberg's little homage right. to Robert Zemeckis. I missed that entirely. <laughs> I was too busy feeling nauseous. <laughs> Back to the Future, to me, the original, the first one, is one of those totally perfect films. Like we're talking, we did uh, an episode on the Alien franchise, and Aliens, I think we all agreed, is one of those perfect films, right? Like watching it, it just there's no false steps. And I think Back to the Future is the same way. It gets a little iffy with two and three, but I think as a whole, the trilogy is pretty good. Well, in a, a sort of pseudo-historical way. What do you mean? Like, well, nothing about the movie was really timely. It wasn't really a great period piece. It was kind of like, let's go back to the imaginary 50s. Yeah. Yeah. You'd Something now would be more, um, it would be more realistic, right? It would be, they're well, all kind of like that. Peggy Sue got married oh, yeah. and they're all like the visual, Grease. That's right. They're all idealized versions of the 50s without well, the McCarthyism and racism. And Well, and Grease is a really good example because it's, was came out in 78 and it looks like 78 in a 50s film lords of flappers is the same thing where they have these movies that are set in the 50s that has music uh that isn't quite 50s music yeah like greece's well, theme song is a disco song by uh, frankie valley well back to the future has the balls to posit that michael j fox invented rock and roll <laughs> That's right. In 1957 or 8, whenever That's he went 55. back. Is he go back in, to He 55? goes back, uh, was it 30 years? Every 30 years. He goes to 2015 oh. in the future, right? So in 1955, yeah. 55 was the, the year of the first number one hit. Yeah. With Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock. Oh, I thought it was Marty McFly and the, well, that's the Marv, Marvin Berry Band or whatever. It's like <laughs> Rocket 88, which is considered the first rock and roll song, Yeah, is I think 52 or 53. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> he, he he taught Chuck Berry the goose walk. I think yeah, was, maybe it's more, yeah, that he, he okay. So so back, back to the future is the balls to say it, invented chuck berry yeah pretty much and it also asks questions like is it okay to go back and have sex with your mother yeah when she's young and hot <laughs> exactly that's a you know that's a good part of it right <laughs> like because they deal with that it's interesting what was i reading um zemeckis and bob gale came up with the script they shopped it around all the studios and almost every studio said it's not raunchy enough because it was made I guess not in the shadow of Porky's, but I guess around that time, 80, well, I don't know when he was shopping it around. I think he was probably shopping around in those early, the early 80s. Porky's and, you know, 
Getting laid. Private lessons. And, <laughs> Private lessons. Yeah. Getting some, whatever. Well, you know, all, well, those, all those screwball my, sex my tutor comedies. Yeah, exactly. My private tutor. Yeah. That's a- yeah. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is probably one that reverberated through the, you know, the studio executives. Hand, that's what they were looking for. Wasn't it hand job behind the high school? Wasn't that? That was a really popular one. <laughs> I just got right to the chase. But... Uh, yeah, so they shopped it around, and most studios said it's it's not raunchy enough. And then they shopped it to Disney, and Disney Disney said we're not comfortable with the incest angle, you know, between <laughs> Marty and his mother. So they thought it was too raunchy, right? And they passed. I guess uh, eventually they convinced. Uh, I think it was Universal that made it, but uh, yeah, that's what they were faced with. Um, it has a great pace. Uh, Back to the Future. It runs like a Swiss watch. Well, I found that it's it's also that these these kind of storylines they're frustrating, right? They're meant to be a little frustrating. You got to beat the clock. Got to beat the clock. Yeah. Got to beat the clock. Yeah. And in this film, literally you gotta, drama. You got to you got to get you got to beat the clock. Mm-hmm. But I found that in the first one, it's kind of at a comfortable pace. You know, there's no there's not too many great surprises, but you you there is tension, there is suspense. But it's not one of those irritating stories. It's like, ah, oh, here's another stupid thing that's going to happen to delay them. You right. Know, yeah. You know, escalating right. obstacle, escalating yeah, obstacle. That's right. This didn't have a lot of that. Yeah. It was all, all seemed very organic, right? Like the plug comes undone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or at the beginning, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and explain the plot to Back to the Future to people. <laughs> uh, go see a. Spoilers. <laughs> go straight. Spoilers. Yeah. It's definitely going to be spoilers for a movie from 1985. But um, Marty goes to meet Doc, who's got the surprise. He's working on his latest invention, and it turns out it's a, a time machine built in out of a DeLorean. And um, they do the experiments and stuff, and then suddenly uh, terrorists show up. Libyans! I think uh, these guys in a, a VW microbus show up with machine guns, and they start shooting up the place because Doc Brown had stolen plutonium for him, which helps power the... Uh, the time machine and he, he built a bomb for them, but he just put pinball parts in it. Right. So they, they, it's a funny story that gets that, you know, and the Libyans cause it so that Marty ends up in the DeLorean and ends back in 1955. Right. So they, it's an organic, fun, interesting way of getting him in his dilemma. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. It's a, it's a smart, neat way. It's not just an artificial barrier that's thrown up or whatever. Some stupid contrivance that gets him there. It's all, built nicely it's with it's in the character of doc brown to be doing something that crazy and stupid but it shows that he's also smart yeah because he it was also thought out that he would give them this fake bomb he would get the things he needed he would go back to the future he would do all the or he'd go back into into the past or into he the wanted to go to the future yeah. i think he said to want to see how things turned out it shows that he's not a bumbling buffoon right right that his kind of crazy hair and you know What's well, a great is, role by Christopher Lloyd, his signature role. Sure. But he, Except maybe for Jim, Reverend Jim in Taxi, which is great. What's crazy is he was in One Flew or the Cougar's Nest. Oh, yeah. So he was really great in that. Yeah. So what a great place to start. <laughs> yeah. Jack Nicholson, uh, Danny DeVito's in that, uh, Brad Dourif. It's the guy that stutters. I've seen that movie maybe a dozen times, <laughs> yeah. and it is really a great movie. Yeah, well, uh, just recently, like a few days ago, Milos Forman died, and he's he's the director of that film. Oh. Great Czechoslovakian director. Uh, and you know who else died recently was uh, Harry the Hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, D- Judge Stone, Harry yeah, Stone. Harry Anderson. That sucked. Man, who, I grew up on that show. Who I'm sure, I think he also saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Why do you say that? Just my segue. <laughs> well, I was thinking a good segue um, just to talk about that, but I don't know if I want to get into it right now, but uh, I don't know if it's not really a segue, but it, it's apropos uh, talking about Harry Anderson because he was Richie Tozier in the TV version of it. Oh, was he? He was a grown up Richie Tozier. Christopher Lloyd was, or no, no Harry Anderson. Uh, Harry Anderson. Yeah. And that shitty film, that shitty version of it. Um, yeah, just talking about, uh, Robert Zemeckis, the director of Back to the Future. He's a pretty rare creature. You know, he's one of those directors who, um, who can handle, a you know, a science fiction, you know, special effects film, but he doesn't lose sight of the heart of the character or the story, right? He doesn't get lost thinking about the mechanics of the film, but he, he 
cultivates uh, good performances from his actors and, you know, keeps his eye on the heart of the film. It's a time travel story, of course, Back to the Future. And uh, so, of course, in that regard, it's got a ton of plot holes. But it's really, to me, it typifies the kind of movie where it's so much fun. It's got such a great pace. It's so rollicking. You're having such a great time along for the ride. You're not you're not um, fixating on, you know, stuff that doesn't make quite make sense. Well, a fun movie is a fun movie. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch a fun movie, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not going to change your world. You're not going to be spiritually moved by it, but right. it's there to entertain you. And that Back to the Future was, and always is entertaining. Right. It definitely isn't uh, concerned, too concerned about being subtle because the movie opens, you know, this slow track across just, you know, a ton of clocks. <laughs> Just ticking away. Like, what do you think this film's about? Right? Not subtle, but fun, you know, good. It's cool. There's a lot of neat um, foreshadowing in the film, and it, the stuff that is set up in Back to the Future uh, reverberates through the whole trilogy. Uh, this one doesn't necessarily reverberate, but it's a really neat f- idea of foreshadowing where, like I said, the opening of the film uh, tracks along all these clocks, and one of them... Uh, is a little clock and there's a little guy hanging off of the um uh the arms of the clock right and it's well, like Harold Lloyd yeah it's it's a reference to Harold Lloyd and Safety Last <clears throat> where that movie where he's hanging off the arms of the clock but it also foreshadows the end of the film where Doc Brown is hanging off the clock tower tr- trying to set up the wire to hmm. get the to get the lightning strike it was about time you made that reference <laughs> i was a little late with it but. um you know, speaking of the clock tower too, there's uh, it's a movie that really does uh, a good job with exposition, right? One of the things I didn't like about Ready Player One was it was very clunky with its exposition. Just shit had to be explained to characters that already know the information, but the audience doesn't. So somebody tells this person, you know, like well, you know, it's back to the back to Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, you know, that's a perfect example. I was, you know, I know that we talked about that in that episode, but. It's having to explain what it is because the fact is, is that the stupid character is wearing a stupid blazer, like an 80s style blazer <laughs> and an 80s style tie. Yeah. And he says, okay, how about Buckaroo Banzai? Oh, not Buckaroo Banzai. And it's like, you know, that's just trying to buy cool and street cred Yeah, with nothing else. It's otherwise it's any, it could be anything. Yeah. And just, having to explain it. Just a suit. Yeah. A suit with a tie. Exactly. If he walked up there in the Ghostbusters jumpsuit, he wouldn't have to explain that it was from Ghostbusters. We'd know exactly where it's from. But uh, yeah, so for exposition, right, there's a scene at the beginning of the film where uh, Marty's sitting with his girlfriend, Jennifer, who we'll talk about later. He's sitting on a bench in the park, the square, the town square of Hill Valley where he lives. And in the back, you see this big clock tower. And this lady comes up to him with a change can and she's like, save the clock tower, save the clock tower. And then she explains that the clock tower was hit by lightning in 1955 and has never worked and they want to restore it. And that is exposition that you need to understand, you know, that sets up the ending where they use the lightning strike to actually power the DeLorean to go back. So it's, it's greatly done. The actress uh, who uh, who does the role is like really annoying and in his face trying to get a donation. So that part is funny, but also explains an integral part of the plot. Hmm. It's a very deft film that way. Sets up exposition. It's not it's one person turns to another. And it's like it's not Marty turns to Jennifer and says, did you know that the clock tower was struck by lightning in 1955? It's like, it's an interesting, again, another interesting fun way of explaining stuff to the audience. Hmm. You know, what's one really strange thing about the film, though, about the whole trilogy is um, it's never explained how a kid, I say kid, he's supposed to be like a 17-year-old kid, but how old was um, Michael J. Fox when he did that role? He's probably in his mid to late 20s. But uh, how did a kid like Marty McFly ever get to be friends with Doc Brown? You know, it's one thing that's never explored in the film. I don't know, it's kind of weird. Well, someday there'll be a prequel, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. A prequel to a time travel movie. (laughs) That's apropos. It's called Back to the Back Rub. No, Back Rub to the Future. (laughs) (laughs) It was how young Marty McFly was, uh, he was mowing Doc Brown's lawn. Oh, yeah. And then he he needed a drink and he took his shirt off to pat his brow. (laughs) (laughs) Doc Brown. 
Would you like some lemonade? <laughs> great Scott. Those are great pecs. You know, Michael J. Fox did a great uh, Canadian film called uh, Class of 1984. Okay. You ever seen that? I don't think so. Harry King was the principal of this. Harry King. It was Riptide. Exactly. <laughs> and and back to uh, Lords of Flatbush, another film I reference a lot. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody saw. But uh, it was filmed most, there was a bunch of club scenes filmed on Elm Street near Young. Okay. And Michael J. Fox is credited as Michael Fox. Yeah. It's before he uh, earned the J. I don't know. <laughs> it was in a cage match. That sounds like a <laughs> metaphor for something. <laughs> for he two, earned the A couple J. of different things. He earned the J. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are now blooded. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're in the J. But anyway, if you see that, it's a, it's a ton of fun. You see him, he's like younger than Family Tires. What's it called? The Class of 1984? Class of 1984. Wow. It's a winner. He is a good Canadian boy, Michael J. Fox from Vancouver. Yep. Um... Uh, I guess Texaco is a big sponsor of Back to the Future because um, there's a there's a Texaco station they see in 1985 when he's just living in Hill Valley, and then when he goes to 1955 to 1955 version of Hill Valley, he's walking along and they uh, they got the this Mr. Sandman playing, yeah, and uh, a car. It's one of the things I always remember about this film. A car pulls up to the gas station in 1955, 1955 Texaco, and about five guys all come running out quickly and like each one on the tire, one guy's doing the windshield. Another guy pops a trunk and uh, checks the oil. It's like, I thought that was another neat little um, comment that back to the future makes about kind of way things were right. Well, and when that came out, Pete, there still was uh full serve stations. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. And some people don't even, won't, won't even know they ever existed. But right. I don't remember a time when four guys came out and, you know, polished your white walls, but <laughs> now they do, but they don't actually work there. <laughs> They're so, actually taking the nuts off. Yeah. And those aren't white walls. <laughs> They're blizzaks. That polishing my nuts. And there's a, another scene too, where, um, so Marty blasts off to get away from the Libyans. He, he gets the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour and he ends up in 1955 and he, um, crashes in a farm and the farm is owned by a guy, they call him Old Man Peabody, and he has a son named Sherman. I let this oh, sit. really? I let this sit. Yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. So there's Peabody and Sherman. Yeah, to the two the the boy and the dog that time traveled in uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. So that was kind of funny, I thought. He also, in that scene, Marty... You know, when Doc Brown gets Marty to meet him that night to, to test the time machine, uh, the they're at a place called Twin Pines Mall. Right. And uh, when Marty uh, goes back and uh, goes in, into the past, he r- runs into that guy's farm and he runs over one of the pines. I guess the Peabody owned the land. And he runs over one of the pines. There are two pines sitting in the yard. And he runs over one. Mm-hmm. So when they go back to 1985, it's Lone Pine Mall. Oh. If you ever notice that again, a really neat way of just how things are how things are changed when you fuck around with time. Yeah, really it's also funny how so many of the things in the film, you know, it's set in what's what's the date in the film? It's Which one? <laughs> Which date? In the first one, it's ni- the one they go back to, nineteen fifty-five. I don't know the exact uh, month. Well, the uh, there's a number of things that happen in that in that first film that hadn't existed yet. Okay. Like the guitar that he plays on stage. Oh, right. There's elements to the, there's upgrades on that guitar that hadn't been invented or hadn't been released yet. Right. Um, the Honeymooners episode that they watch hadn't aired yet. Yeah, it's fun. It's a funny scene where uh, I think in the present before Marty leaves, oh yeah, he's at his own house. I think they're, they're running, that's running, that show is running at his house. And then when he goes into the past, he's at his parents' house. And it's airing for the first time. And it's airing for the first time. He goes, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen this one. And they say, what do you mean you've seen this one? It's just airing now. And he goes, oh, I saw it on a rerun. And they're like, what's a rerun? <laughs> At one point, Biff makes fun of Michael J. Fox's jacket. Yeah, he's got a puffy vest. That's right. That's right. And yeah. uh, he calls him a dork. Uh, but dork had, doesn't get used until 1967. Wow. Who, who was it that was called a dork in 1967? Uh, it was me when dork. I was. It was me when I was born. I was born dork. in 67. That kid's a dork. 
<laughs> I'm gonna take credit for. I'm gonna take credit for that. <laughs> when was nerd first coined? Was nerd back then? 1955. Well, if not, every 50s movie is uh, fucked with us. I think the fashion police are coming to take you away. I think the fashion Chadwick. police are coming to arrest that park of yours. Well, that's great. Stairways they're going to nowhere. They're going to park right across the street. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hopefully, the sirens keep wailing. As long as it's not those cop cars with that. So we don't know when nerd was started. Could have called him a nerd. No. You nerd. Another funny thing too is that Back to the Future is people people think back of it, they think it's really they think it's um an FX heavy movie, like they had tons of special effects, but there was only thirty two effect shots in the film. Yeah, and they were all kind of subtle, I think, mostly. Yeah, probably the flames, the twin flames that go off when yeah. the DeLorean goes off and there's a when the DeLorean's getting up to eighty eight, there's like sparks and lines and shit that form in front of it. Yeah, and, you know, as far as visual effects, they should have, you know, maybe replaced, removed all the disability signs that were, there's all kinds of disability signs shown in the clock tower chasing yep. on the street, and they weren't used until the 70s. They oh. should have CGI'd them right out of there. <laughs> well, there's no CGI in 85. But it was also a fake town, right? I don't understand why they would have that, why they wouldn't take those down. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, what's funny about the that town, the Hill Valley, and that, that like I said, the... um. Town Square. Yeah. You said when we did our Twilight Zone episode that one of your favorite episodes is Where Is Everybody? Yeah. Where the guy comes into a town and he he doesn't know quite who he is and there's nobody there. There's evidence that people were just there, but nobody's there in the whole town. Mm-hmm. That's the same set. Really? That's the same back lot. Wow, that's awesome. So keep an eye on that next time when you watch it. Watch the two together. That's fu- oh, it makes me laugh too. Oh, oh, the performance of the guy who was Marvin... It was Marvin Berry, and they're playing at the the dance. And uh, we already mentioned Marty McFly gets up stage with his a- acronistic guitar and starts playing rock and roll. And this and the guy Marvin Berry goes off the stage, and he gets up the phone. And he goes, "Hello, Chuck. This is your cousin Marvin. Marvin Berry." He says it just like that. Because Chuck has like uh, six cousins named Marvin. Uh, I'm always- <laughs> And one was like, for, yeah, that's exactly right. First of all, you don't have to identify, <laughs> identify yourself by your last name. It's me, Marvin. You know, Marvin. Not Marvin Barry. And he looks right at the camera, too, almost. <laughs> it's like, okay, you don't have to hit me over the head with this shit. I get it. He's Marvin. Right. He's Chuck Berry's cousin, and he's going to start his career. You know that sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Which is weird because he's in a band. Wouldn't he be looking for that sound? Oh, look, I found that sound. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call Marvin my cousin. Barry doing <laughs> <Exactly>. Sweet 16. <laughs> Marvin Berry. You got those Marvin Berry records? That's right. You've heard of Rick and Marty, right? The cartoon show, animated show? Yes, I have done uh, voice work for that show. Have you really? I have. Because they're based on Marty and Doc Brown. If you look oh, at their really? appearance. It's funny know. because... I say I do voice work and there's a greater story. All it's, right. it's kind of fake voice work at script readings. Oh, right. But You're just doing a placeholder? Yeah, sort of. And I've never... Reading lines. It's, it's feeding reading, lines reading to lines. somebody. It's yeah. reading lines just for uh, script development. But uh, I'd never seen the show. Right. And I had to... I was... I did Doc's voice. <gasps> or, or, or a Rick's voice. And... You know, it's funny because I didn't associate it with Christopher Lloyd at all. But in the end, I actually, based on what was on the scripted page, you end up with that. Ah, Marty, you know, Marty got one point twenty-one gigawatts. (laughs) I love it, Christopher Lloyd. So I think we can segue into Back to the Future Two. Hold on. So in the first movie, yeah, the girlfriend, (laughs) yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer yeah. is one actress. Yeah. And who and her name is Claudia Wells. So we see her again at the end of the show, right? Yep. And then she's replaced in the second movie by Elizabeth Shue. The lovely Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, who is really lovely. That's right. Who makes everything nicer. It's um I'll talk about that, but it's neat to me um looking at the whole trilogy, each one after Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2 starts at right at that point where the first one ended. Yeah, right? it does. And then Doc shows up and he's got like, you know, space glasses. Yeah. 
Yeah, they had to reshoot it though, like you said, because they replaced uh, um, whatever that whoever the original Jennifer was with Elizabeth Shue. Claudia so they reshot all that stuff uh, to do that scene again, right? And uh, so it's neat how it always does that. And then the Back to the Future Three does the same thing when Doc gets blasted back to eighteen eighty five. It it starts right up there. It starts right there. Except it's funny because you know when they do that. A few years have gone by. Like, what was I think the first two are probably a couple of years apart. Well, uh, no. Uh, Back to the Future, the original was 1990, uh, sorry, 1985. And then uh, Back to the Future 2 was made in 1989. And they shot two and three back to back. They did one Oh, that's right. Shoot, yeah, yeah. Right? I thought it was the other way around. But yeah. yeah. And so it's like they come back in the same moment, in the same day, except it's like Michael... Where'd you get the crow's feet? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's it like 37 old. now. and <laughs> Exactly. But uh, it kind of sucks. That's one thing I noticed. So it's one thing I noticed watching Back to the Future 2 at, for the first time back in 1989, I guess. Trying to keep all these dates straight in my head. Um, they just knocked Jennifer out. Like, like you said, they start at the end of the first one. And they go, Marty, something's got to be done with your kids. And so Jennifer gets in with them and they blast off. They go through to 2015, I, I think. They go forward yeah, in time to yeah. 2015. And Jennifer starts asking questions. What's going on? Who's, what are you talking about? What is this? Is this a time machine? And, and Doc Brown just turns around with this device that kind of reminds me of the Men in Black, you know, memory eraser. And he goes, and she passes out. And then she's unconscious for about 30 minutes, 35 minutes of the film. What they actually do is they land in an alley in Hell Valley because they got this thing going on with Marty's kids. They got to fix Marty's son is going to end up in jail unless they stop this thing from happening. And they actually dump Jennifer in an alley like on top of a pile of trash. <laughs> and they do their thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. They dump her and she's like, is like sleeps under the garbage or something. Yeah, right? like all the way through about until midway through the film. And then she comes back, <laughs> she her, sees herself, faints, and then she's out for the rest of the film. It's like <laughs> such a stupid thing to do. Like that wouldn't fly these days. Like the female, the one female constant in the story, just knock her out and don't deal with her. Yeah, they could have written something else where they just, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, let me get something. And then. Christopher Lloyd comes back and says, we got to go. We can't wait for her. <laughs> and they <laughs> you know? blast and then, then just leave like something, right? I don't know. I, th- I think maybe dumping her on a pile of trash is a little more <laughs> uh, considerate than doing that. Just leave her stranded in the past or the future. But it just seemed weird to me that they do that. Watching it now, I don't think, I don't know if when I watched it originally, I really noticed that. But you notice it now. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Why <laughs> Jennifer, is she there? Why is Jennifer? I remember reading... Uh, something with Zemeckis and Bob Gale, and they said they knew if they knew they were going to be doing a two and a three, that they wouldn't have had Jennifer get in the car. Well, that's it. This is what I'm saying. But they like, were just doing a joke. In the original, they did it as a joke. Oh, you're fine. There's something wrong with your kids. You know, and they, they, they'll get in the car. Everyone gets in the car and they take off, and they thought that was going to be the end of it. But then mm-hmm. they had to come up with, oh, shit, now we had to do two and three, and Jennifer's there. Oh, knock her out. <laughs> Well, this is where I say they they should have had her come back and say that she had something. Yeah, what they should have done is stranded her and then go to, uh, <laughs> and strand her in 55, go to the future. She's an old woman going, Marty, you left me. <laughs> you had like, oh, 30 fuck. years to my life. You left me there. She's an old gray <laughs> hag. That'd be awesome. Scratching at him, <laughs> scratching at that puffy vest. You right. left me. That'll be the new one. That's when they update it. <laughs> That'll be the 2018 That'll be the Rob, Rob Zombie Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You left me with those hillbillies. They shaved my head and raped me endlessly. It's taking a dark turn, Back to the Future. That would have sucked for Elizabeth Shue. Had she done, uh, you can look this up in your sum of all human knowledge. Did she do uh, Adventures in Babysitting? Oh, no, then? this is way before that. And well, I guess she's but happy. no. She I was just wondering if she was happy to get the role. You said '89. Yeah, '89 is the second one. Yeah, that's one she's in. Yeah, 89. so so she'd already done Adventures. Oh, Babysitting. you're right. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking of the original. Yeah, she was also in Cocktail before that too. Holy shit! And then they just put her. Uh, that's what I mean. My it would have sucked for Elizabeth Shue. Oh, I'm going to be in this movie, and then they just knock you out. Yeah, you're you're literally 
only in about 10% of the film. Well, and I wonder <laughs> why, because if, yeah, I if don't Back know. They the just future, had, they didn't want to deal with her, I guess. They no, just didn't want to deal with her. Maybe, maybe she agreed to do the film. Yep. Uh, and then she became a big shot. Yeah. Oh. And then she was like, uh, excuse me. I want this. I want that. I want yes. And they're like, but we can't give you blue Smarties in the, in the, in the past. It's, it was funny when we were talking about, um, I think it was in our, I think it's episode four, um, that, uh, we were talking about remakes and reboots and we talked a little bit about, um, Blade Runner and you made a funny joke about how the flying cars that when they come down, it's just when they get down close to the ground and they're going to land, they just, they're on a forklift and go, <laughs> and they just land, right? It's funny. In Back to the Future 2, they have about three or four shots of the DeLorean coming in, and it's yeah. just like, you see the front panel? It goes, <laughs> Yep. I thought of you when I saw that part of it. The flying cars on forklifts. See, I'll take this moment, too, about Elizabeth <coughs> Shue to say that another amazing film, which I've talked about before, is The Trigger Effect. Oh, right. And that's like Six Degrees of Twilight Zone as well, because the trigger effect is a sort of post-apocalyptic. Yeah, with uh, Kyle really. McGl- Kyle McLaughlin, right? Exactly. Yeah, we talked about that yeah. in a different. Great, uh, great, another great movie yeah. that people should see that nobody has. Trigger effect. You keep saying these films, and I, I say, yeah, I'm going to watch that. I never do. That's right. Well, it shows you how much I value your opinion, Chad. Exactly. I'm buying stock in these bad movies, no, these, <laughs> these unknown films. Yeah. So what a good thing I like about Back to the Future 2 is uh, they go to 2015 and they do some pretty good world building, you know, in the context of a Back to the Future film. Because the, uh, they got, like I said, they got the flying cars. It kind of reminds me of um, the fifth element. All the cars are flying through the air and like traffic patterns. Um, he's walking around that same uh, town square and uh, there's a th- theater there, and it's playing Jaws 19. Yeah, and that was... <laughs> which is funny. And then there's a big holographic Jaws that comes up, and he turns around, and he's like, ah! And it just disappears. And he's, like, crouching in the street. Back to the Future 2 is a movie where um, uh, Marty, uh, they land in the alley, they dump Jennifer to get rid of her for, uh, for 40 minutes. And then... Uh, Doc Brown has some modern clothes for Marty to wear, right? He's got the multicolored hat and whatever, the jacket. This jacket that's funnily similar to the one he wore in the original, but it's kind of a little bit more modern. And then he's got a pair of Nikes that he puts on, and he puts his feet in them, and they go, Whoop! and they lace themselves up automatically. Yeah. And he puts the other foot in, Whoop! and uh, that kind of caught the public consciousness so much that Nike, I think a couple of years ago, made power lace Nikes in the same style well like all science fiction they comes true di- dictates all all reality but i don't think it caught on i don't see people wearing uh auto lacing shoes no, you know it's kind of stupid another yeah. big thing in uh back to the future 2 that will actually be used again in back to the future 3 is uh and it's a echo of back to the future the original is he goes to the uh, cafe they have the same kind of interaction like they did in the first with uh um, not his father, but Biff comes in and gives him a hard time. Oh, it's with his son. It's Marty and his son kind of don't quite interact, but it's the same kind of thing as in the, in the original. And then Biff comes in, Marty and Biff get into a fight and Marty runs off and he, in the original, he gets on a skateboard and they're chasing him. But in the back to the future too, he's in 2015. So he runs out and he grabs, uh, a, he grabs a board from a kid and it's a hoverboard. So he gets on and he's floating around. And it was all the rage. Like when that came out, it was, yeah. we all wanted land speeders like in Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah. Here, here was like a skateboard version. That's a very good analogy too. Yeah, you were thinking that there was a future when you watch Star Wars in 77 that we'll be driving hover cars. I was explaining to my kids the other day about <laughs> all the things that I thought by the year 2000 we would have that we don't. No. Because they ripped us off. That's right. But uh, yeah, he's he's whipping around a hoverboard, and it's interesting to watch. Still, in 1989, it was all practical effects, right? So you can kind of see him on wires and the way they cut it. It's kind of interesting to see him flying around on a on a floating board. And what's interesting too with the hoverboard is again, just like the Nike power laces. I forget what company it was, but some company came up with a hoverboard for real. The only thing is, you have to use it on a. A special on a forklift. Yeah. <laughs> you have to use it on a special floor that's like magnets. So there's magnets on the board and there's right. magnets on the floor and they repel and you can kind of float around on it. 
So they kind of made something, you know, kind of real, but not anything you could use in a practical sense. So, yeah, as far as world building, when you watched it in 1989, that's world building. You watch it in 2018 and you're like, fuck, what? (laughs) Like, this looks like 1989 now, (laughs) looking back. Yeah. Um, the movie gets pretty dark back to the future too. Uh, again, I don't want to get into the machinations of the plot, but, uh, Biff ends up getting, uh, a sports almanac that gives the scores for every game. Old Biff in 2015 gets that almanac, goes back in the past 1955 and gives it to Biff gives it to himself as a younger man. And then that younger man uses that almanac to win big at betting. And then, when uh, Doc and Marty get to 1985, you know, present day Hill Valley for Marty, it's all taken over. Like it reminded me of uh, It's a Wonderful Life when Potter Town, Pottersville. Potter, Pottersville. Yeah. Instead of whatever the hell it was, the town was called. It's Pottersville and Potter runs everything. There's casinos and everything. It's just, it really reminded me of that and Back to the Future too, where Biff has taken over everything and he's got a huge casino and it's all it's all crime ridden and he's just, you know, a latch and he's got Marty's. Well, I'm sure it's totally an homage to wonderful. It's a wonderful life. I think so. Yeah. It has to be because there's just too many similarities. Because It was, it was all like nightclubs and (laughs) craps games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it got, it gets dark because, uh, Marty's mother is like kept as a kind of a sex slave. It was uh, by Biff and she's a drunk. And of course she, she drank in the, the original uh, timeline of, of the original Back to the Future, and then when he comes back, she's kind of got her shit together because of Marty, because of what Marty did yeah. with them at the dance. Because she hooked up with Crispin Glover, <laughs> who I met once. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's this is, that's kind of cool. Is he a he, fucking oddball? He's fucking way weirder <laughs> than anything you've seen him in. Really? So, he, you know, I saw him at a, a Comic-Con many years ago now. Nice. And he was there. He looked like Gomez Adams. He had his hair greased down, parted in the center like alfalfa, <laughs> a, a, a black, you know, tight-fitting suit with a white shirt. He looked like a Mormon, dressed like a Mormon, yeah. but with like gothish kind of girls as his security. Okay. And he was just, he was really, he's a really weird guy. Wow. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been all... We'd be into some weird shit there in the McFly house. <laughs> yeah. What did he, did he talk to him? Did he say anything to him? I can't remember. I didn't, I never really talked to those people. I talked to Kevin Sorbo. He was awesome. And, uh, and, and, uh, Adam Baldwin, not the Baldwin brothers. Adam from Firefly. Yeah. 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 Those two guys, they were, I guess, buddies and they were, they were awesome. And this was just when comic cons were changing and everybody wanted big money for everything. Right. And I say, fuck that. You have to buy a pass now that's like $150 and you just get a, that's without a picture. That's just meeting the people. Yeah. And it's like, fuck that. <laughs> Please. If you want a picture, it's like another hundred. You want me to go to your movies? Get a picture with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But Kevin Sorbo, on the other hand, and Adam Baldwin were awesome. They were, they'd come out, they were hanging out with us, walking us around, introducing us to other people. Henry Winkler. It was cool. Wow. You met the, you met the Fonz? At the Fonz. Did you give him the thumbs up? <laughs> Back to Lords of Flatbush. See? This whole episode, yeah. it's like it's an underlying Lords of Flatbush show. That's funny. Uh, like we were saying before, they shot uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 back-to-back. So they were able to do a nice lead-in to Back to the Future 3 where Marty uh, uh, goes to the 1985 where Biff's running everything. He goes into the casino and there's like a history of Biff Tannen Museum in the bottom of it and that shows... His, there's a guy talking, there's a narrator talking. Again, it's this is maybe not as quite as elegant exposition, but the guy's telling the history of Biff and saying that he has a relative mad dog, Tannen, from 1885. And that's where Marty's going to end up in Back to the Future 3. So this nice little Because he was going to go back and murder him, right? So that... <laughs> just murder. <laughs> just, just a straight murder. up hit job, is it? <laughs> just murder him and then he doesn't exist Marty, anymore. I want you to go back to 1885 <laughs> and murder Biff. That's right. What? He will never call you dork. (laughs) You know, one thing I noticed, I I recently watched, uh, speaking of time travel, I recently watched uh, H.G. Wells' The Time Machine from 1961. I've never seen that. 
No, I'm just kidding. I've seen that a fucking dozen <laughs> times, man. So Rod Taylor. You know, I'm a big H.G. Wells fan, and I can even you know the movies I haven't seen yet. A movie Island of Doctor Moreau was interesting. You know, I kind of kind of like that going along with the book. But anyway, in this in the '61 time time machine, yep. At the very end, I sent you a picture. I texted you a picture of the door knocker. Oh yeah, which looks like the 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 flux compact compactor, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck <fuck-a-tack-a-cha. laughs> flux capacitor, flux capacitor, at the end, and I think that it must have been done consciously as a nod, Maybe. in some way. To how how else do you nod? Because it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Y. Yeah, and you can't really like it's a weird door knocker on top of that. It is kind of kind of stands out. It would be interesting if it was the other way around. Yeah. But how else do you give a nod to the man who really invented? If I ever see uh, Robert Zemeckis or Bob Gale at a Comic Con, I'll, I'll ask him that. That's right. You'll you'll pay the what's the door knocker from H.G. Uh, Wells' A Time Machine? Uh, is that referenced as the flux capacitor in Back to the Future? And they'll say. You're huh? f- you're fucking crazy. <laughs> you're as crazy as Crispin Glover. Get out of here. He's gonna say I, I can't remember. <laughs> Get a life. I lost a bet. That's why I'm here. You take a movie that I made as a lark, <laughs> turn it into a colossal waste of time. Um, and the more another good setup is uh, Marty goes into the retro cafe. That's the '80s retro cafe. It's funny. It made yeah. in 1989, taking place in 2015, making 1980s retro. And in the cafe, there's a wild gunman game by Nintendo where you pick up a uh, pistol and you're shooting guys and there's kids playing it. And Marty goes, I'll show you to do it. And he like, he's a crack shot at the game. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a skill that'll come in handy in 1885 when he goes back to the past. Uh, back to the Future 2 has kind of interesting things where Marty and other characters interact with themselves in the same scene or like Marty and his son are played both, of course, by... Uh, by uh, Michael J. Fox. So not only is it ridiculous that he is, you know, an, playing an 18-year-old, he's got to be in his 30s by then, and he's playing a kid who's even younger, and he's playing the same character. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> it's just double, it's a double stupid, you know, casting. Like, you're just aging, man. <laughs> Can't do this shit. That's right. They should just keep... <laughs> Just keep moving into the future. <laughs> it's funny to me. Uh, so he's interacting with himself and Biff is one where it's old Biff and young Biff and they're sitting in a car together and the one passes something to the other guy. It's interesting uh, mat work they're doing there, but they did some interesting technical stuff where they had the guys interact with each other. It's pre-CGI, right? It's before they could just create the guys out of the computer. Yeah. So. And now that we have that, you get Ready Player One. <laughs> I, exactly. Give me the forklift, man. Give me the forklift. <laughs> exactly. That's true. That's true. I'd rather have the forklift than just a hollow, you know, loud cacophony of nothing like Ready Player One was. Well, there's a example of that is Doc Brown ends up, uh, you know, there's a 1955 original Doc Brown who's going to send Marty uh, uh, back to the future. And the Back to the Future 2 uh Doc Brown ends up at that in that scene and he's kind of disguising himself so and he's talking with himself. And then uh the 1955 Doc Brown says, Pass me that wrench. And Doc Brown goes, Okay, and he takes it and he there's a pole there and he kind of puts his arm behind the pole and hands the wrench to them. And the arm goes <laughs> yeah, in and right, comes out that's again. where the green screen was. Yeah, moved. That's where the slit is. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's fun to watch that kind of stuff. So my favorite parts of Back to the Future 2 is um when Marty goes back to 1955 and he's kind of interacting with the scene as it played out in the original film. Mm-hmm. I like that too, where yeah, you see it in the stuff. background. He's sneaking in, like he sneaks by the car and he's sitting in the car with his, his mother and uh, he's got to sneak by Marty, you know, the, uh, the back to the future to Marty. That's right. Where he's, he, he <laughs> knocks in the glass. Yeah. He says, want to do a three way? <laughs> Is that the one? I think you're, what would that be called? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, some <laughs> menage and incest, some porno, yeah, porno some. name, you know, they do the knockoffs, you know, backside to the future. That's right. <laughs> Back door to the future. The ginger- <laughs> <laughs> Starring Ginger Lynn Allen. <laughs> On your back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> the beast with two backs to the future. <laughs> Shit. 
shit, man. This shit writes itself. No wonder people do porn. It just it writes itself, man. <laughs> well, look, there. We have three movies we can make. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of Back to the Future 2, Doc Brown is hit by lightning again and he gets sent to 1885. And Marty's standing there. And then uh, there's a car coming up the road. And uh, this mysterious figure gets out and he walks towards Marty and then he comes into the light a bit and it's Joe Flaherty. Remember that from SCTV? Yeah, yeah, right. Isn't he an agent or something? He's uh, he's from Western Union. Because, oh, right, right, right. With because, the telegram. Do, because Doc Brown has, in 1885, has written a letter to uh, Marty and it's given specific instructions. You have to go to this place at this time and give this guy, the kid that Mart- matches the description of Marty, gives him this letter. Yeah. They've had it in their offices for 100 years. And it's uh, a great ad for Western Union, but in real life, it's like, throw that piece of shit out. They keep that shit. They'd be dusting and like, holy shit, you still got this fucking letter? Get rid of that, man. Back to the Future 3 never there'd be, happens. There'd be cameras. There'd be everything like, okay, well, we've had this. We were told to deliver it 100 years to this spot. Call CNN. Call, you know, all yeah, the news. It would, be a, it would be an interest piece, right? Yeah, let's do it. Mystery? Let's do it right now. What's the mystery? We're going to... This week, that's, that's we're going to go to Western Union and we're going to send something to the 100 years of the future. That's true. Yeah. So uh, that leads us into Back to the Future 3. And uh, again, there's some nice echoes. Again, the third one starts right at that point where Mar- Marty gets the letter. So it starts at the end of the one previous. Now, Elizabeth Shue is in this one as well. Yeah, I guess. She is. She's, list- she's listed. And... Uh, I, I I did a little quick search to see if there was any drama of why uh, she, she was in it in the first place because she has no purpose other than fulfilling what, how the first one ended. Yeah, she is. Uh, he comes back to re- they fix. Uh, well, he comes back from the from the west, and she's on the porch. I guess at one point they'd left her on the on the porch <laughs> of her house, and he shows up, and then yeah, I remember that now. She is in it. So, but there's nothing. It's the 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 woman uh, Wells who was in the first one. Yeah, just didn't want to do more. Right. Like, well, didn't Claudia Wells when they offered her to her mother had cancer and she didn't take the role because oh. she was looking after her mother. So they might have been on a, in a lurch. Yeah. And Elizabeth Shoe maybe she was busy with yeah. a really big shoe. She was busy earning her J. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Now, was Mary Steenburger the... Steenburger? Steenburger. Burgeon. Bergen, Burgeon. Steenburgen. Steenburgen. She was married to Matthew McDowell, who played H.G. Wells in Time After Time. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. What did I say? Matthew. I thought you were going to say Matthew McConaughey. I was like, really? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> she was married to Ma- Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Who was H.G. Uh, Wells in Time After Time. Oh my God. Such a good film. Uh, Another good time travel film. Give me nightmares as a kid. I have to say the scene where he comes back and Jack the Ripper is like cut up his girlfriend and the whole walls are bloody and (laughs) you know. Gives you nightmares? I was was fucking 10. Oh God. Such a naive 10. So it was Mary Steenburgen. Yep. Who was great in Last Man on Earth. Another great show that's on TV. Watch that. Right. Uh, But she, um, was she the love interest? Was she the school teacher? Yeah. Yep. Hard to believe. That's exactly right. Wow. I I just watched all those movies not too long ago, but uh, the third one I have to say is uh, I didn't think it was very good. Right. If I hadn't liked the first two, I would have never watched the third one. If I'd watched the first third one first, I probably never would have watched the first two. Right. Well, one thing that doesn't make sense about that letter we're talking about that Western Union somehow kept around for a hundred years is that when Marty reads the letter. It's like, you know, I ended up in 1885. I'm happy here. Don't come and get me. But all that Doc Brown has been saying through the whole fucking series is that we can't fuck with the timeline. (laughs) Don't touch anything. But he's happy to go back to 1885 where he could wreak any kinds of havoc on the space time. I'm buying AT&T and I'm sleeping with everyone. (laughs) Exactly. I'm starting my own army. Like uh, you can't live your life out in 1885 and not expect to affect the timeline. So that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> no. What the fuck? No. So don't come and get me. But of course, Marty, I guess it's just a thing to show Marty. He's a rebel. He's going to, he doesn't care what Doc Brown says. He's going to, well, maybe he's okay with that. And then he finds out that Biff Tannen murders Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. He finds it in a history book somewhere. So now he's got to go. 
back to the past. But why write the letter in the first place if he doesn't want to be found out either? Like, it's just like, let it be. Yeah, You're that's gone. True. That's it. Maybe you know? he just got vaporized. Exactly. I think he actually said something in the letter. Like, I wanted to let you know I'm okay or something like that. He doesn't yeah. want to, you know, Marty to. So then why not send it earlier? Uh, why not send it to himself? Right. Send himself a letter to say, don't do that stupid <laughs> shit. Like, don't do this. this. Or right. have a spare battery in your back pocket. That's right. And the really weird thing is when he gets, Marty gets back to 1885, he's, he gives him a lecture. You should have done it. You're going to affect the timeline. I'm going to leave you here to just fucking. So you can be the blacksmith in this little town and uh, exactly. you're not affecting anything. And then in the garage, he's got crazy shit. He has an <laughs> ice maker, doesn't he? He's made of ice. He's going to make ice in 1885. What the fuck is, well, this is the thing? The, the third one, they just kind of like, you know, it, it truly is the jump the shark of the three. Yeah, uh, you know, I had a bigger problem with two. Actually, a funny thing I didn't mention was the one, the thing that bothers me most about uh, Back to the Future 2 is, and we're talking about uh, world building and exposition, right? So Back to the Future 2 is pretty complicated. They go uh, into 2015, and then Marty's got to go back to 1955 because in 1985 is all fucked up because of what Biff did, right? And it gets kind of complicated. So there's a scene in Back to the Future 2 where... Everything stops and 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 uh, Doc Brown goes, you know, let me explain it to you. And he gets a blackboard and he's writing on the blackboard. Okay, this is this timeline. The intersection here yeah, is where right. Buff changed and made this alternate 1985. And he's got to explain everything to us on a mm-hmm. chalkboard. Right. So it's, you know, that's a, ha- a bit of ham-fisted exposition. I find the two is, Back to the Future 2 is kind of interesting. It's doing like it's doing sh- weird shit with time, right? But it's it's a little bit too much. It's a little bit too complicated. Back to the Future 3 is more simple where they just go to the past and everything takes place in the past. So yeah. I think in that regard, it's a bit more simple. It's easier on the head. Well, I've used that same the same explanation about the timelines that they use in number two with my kids explaining <laughs> time travel. Right. But the reality is, is that any interference whatsoever is is ultimately creating parallel universes. Yeah. You know, well, they say endlessly. that every choice just goes off. Yeah. It goes splits out. So it's sort of like, well, if if you were to go back in time, uh, and we were, you know, we were talking about this because of just watching the time machine, you know, he he sits in his chair, he travels through time, he goes out and he sees who he thinks is his friend, and then it turns out to be the son of his friend all grown up. He's all grown up. Now there's two new timelines. So then you go further into the future, but which future are you really going into? Right. Which timeline are you following now? Exactly. Well, there's the old the grandfather paradox where once you solve the problem that's in the, you've gone to wherever in the past to fix, there's no reason for you to have done it in the first place. That's right. Right. That's the eternal paradox. So the only, the key is to go back in time and kill yourself. (laughs) And then you never fucked it up in the first place. (laughs) Um, there's a, there's a funny bit in, uh, back to the future three, where in 1955, the 1955 doc Brown has now got to get Marty to 1885. Right. Right. So, so they go to this, uh, they get the DeLorean and blah, 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 machinations, machinations, blah, 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 plot, plot, plot. And then they're in the drive, they're in a drive in and Marty's going to use that space to get up to 88 miles per hour and he's going to go back to 1885 and they're in this drive-in in in 1955 and there's a screen of the drive-in and then there's this mural at the bottom that's just a bunch of indians on horses like charging and so they get the delorean going marty takes off he's right he's he's riding towards the screen i don't know why they just don't point him at a (laughs) non-obstructed you know exit point but anyway they do it they do this for this reason he drives towards the wall with the indians and all of a sudden he goes through time and he's in 1885 and there's all of a sudden real Indians for all those non-racists out there. We're talking about indigenous people. <laughs> well, it's, I'm Natives. using the parlance of 19 and they don't sound like Arabs. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> they're, not, un, they're undulating. It's the they're difference. <laughs> That's funny. And another, my other final point about back to the future three, my problem with it is so uh, doc Brown is a blacksmith. He, uh, Shoes a horse for Biff Tannen. The horse throws a shoe. Biff Tannen blames uh, uh, Doc Brown for it. The horse uh, broke its leg, so Tannen sh- had to shoot it. It cost him 60 bucks or something like that, you know, 1855 money. 
So he's like saying, you owe me this money. And, and uh, Doc Brown refuses. So Biff Tannen shoots him. So when Marty goes to 1855, why doesn't, you know, it's shown too that Doc Brown has a suitcase of money he keeps in the DeLorean, I guess. That's uh, era specific money. He's yeah. got lots of money. Mm-hmm. Pay Biff Tannen is 60 bucks. And it's over. No problem. Now, because otherwise you're fucking up the timeline again, because now he's murdered you. You're not the blacksmith in the town. There's now a void. Yeah. Somebody had to bury you. Like, <laughs> there's a million things that are going to happen. They got to bury him and then go to his shop and see fucking shit that's not going <laughs> to yeah. be invented for 70 years. That's right. It's, it's called, up. he called it a toaster. Actually, the only other thing I want to say about Back to the Future 3 is. Probably the reason why, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can ex- see if this is a correct assessment. I think for a lot of people it probably is where the movie itself is kind of okay, but at the end they have to get, you know, they don't have petrol to put in the um, DeLorean, mm-hmm. so they put it on a train track and they have a train push it up right. to 88, which is <clears throat> maybe reasonable. They talk to the locomotive, they go, how fast can this go? And if you get it hot enough, it'll get up to 80 or 90 or whatever, so... They have the scheme where they're going to, the locomotive is going to push the uh, DeLorean and uh, they finally get Marty back to 1985. And then he appears on the railway tracks and there's a train coming and uh, Marty gets out just in time and the train smashes in the DeLorean and smashes it to bits. Mm-hmm. Something Doc Brown has been threatening through the whole trilogy. I'm going to destroy this thing. It's too dangerous. Finally, it is destroyed. And then Marty uh, and <laughs> Marty goes to the porch, wakes up. Fucking Elizabeth Shue. Oh, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, shit. She was in this trilogy somewhere. He takes her back to the place where the the scene where the DeLorean got destroyed. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's... And this whole fucking train appears that Doc Brown has built. It's a time traveling fucking train. Right. And it, at the end, they do the same thing as in back the original Back to the Future. We go, okay, let's go. You know, it's Doc Brown and Mary Steenburgen. And they got two kids, Jules and Vern. Uh-huh. And because uh, he's mentioned that he, he mentioned it to uh, Mary Steenburgen. I can't remember her Which, character. Which, why? Why mention That Jules, he loves Jules Verne. You, who didn't write it about time travel. Y- yeah, that's funny. But um, yeah. It's like a slap in H.G. Wells' <laughs> face, actually. Maybe it is. Maybe they're Verne said H.G. Wells there. couldn't write his way out of a wet paper bag. And at the end, the train blasts off. It can levitate too, and it flies away. Oh, uh, a train. So convenient. It's like, that is ridiculous. Now you and six or 700 of your closest <laughs> friends can travel through time and go fuck up the timeline. <laughs> that's where the movie jumps the rails, I guess, to use the parlance. It, you know, that's just too much. I, you know, I was having fun, but that's just ridiculous. I think it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, this stupid ending. Well, time is a funny thing. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous plot point. Yeah. It can be easily fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a movie called it's about time. Have you seen that one? It was about this guy and he'd have to go into the closet and his, his, his family, his father had it. So this ability to go in the closet, he, goes, he clenches his teeth and makes tight fists. Goes, <laughs> and then he wills himself to yeah. travel through time. It's fan- that's fantastic movie. Yeah. That's based on the time travel stories of, um, uh, I think his name is like Jack Hardy or something like that. Right. He he wrote a like you Sounds ever like see, a porn star who's going to star in, on your back to the future <laughs> backside to the future. <laughs> um, uh, Chris Reeves was in a film somewhere in time done by, uh, based on the book by the same author. Oh, Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah, Chris Reeve. I guess you're closer friends to him than, than me. Chris Reeves. Christopher, Christopher Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, so yeah. That's that was, based on the same author. Uh, in time. I just can't remember. Can't remember his actual name, but he wrote a. He's a very famous author of time travel stories, Shecky. where you just will yourself to go back in time. Right? Yeah. Oh, it was a great movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've heard that's really good. Donald Gleason is in it. He's the guy. I forget. Donald Gleason. Yeah. Do, yeah. How do he, I know? Where do I know him? He was from? Hux. I do this every episode. <laughs> I have to remind you, <laughs> Hux. he's Hux, and in Black Who's Hux, Black Hux from uh, the Force Awakens. How could oh. you forget that wonderful film? It's just unforgettable. He was General Hux. He's the red-haired guy. Oh, that guy. Oh, and the guy. Was, you got to use Black Mirror. I know yeah, the Black, Black Mirror, Mirror. Yeah, he's in that Black Mirror episode too. Donald yeah, you know, I, gotta, I think I've developed a, a block with the Star Wars movies. <laughs> anyway, I think that's probably, uh, that does it for the Back to the Future trilogy. It's time to return to 2018. You ready? Here we are. 
That's we have about as much effects as the. Uh, did we go back or did we go forward? I can't remember. Because if we went back, I want to buy some stock in uh, Apple in a fruit company like the same yeah. Forrest Gump, <laughs> directed by Robert Zemeckis. I he must have invested in some kind of fruit company. It's like Apple computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Chad for joining me on this journey through the Back to the Future trilogy. And to any listeners that join us along for the ride on our flying train that somehow I built in 1855 where I couldn't get a DeLorean gas. Yeah, because really, we know we, we would have used a Zeppelin. Exactly. Yeah, your Zeppelin. I would have used my Zeppelin. We have video footage of that. You can check it out on uh, nursedocking.com and you can see also see a uh, archive of all our previous episodes. You go back in time to when there were five of us. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> When, when there was actually just two of us doing five voices. Oh, that's true, yeah. It's, shh, keep a secret. Who's this Ross. one? Hey, how's it going? Is it, hey, uh, spoilers! Spoilers! Uh, Chad. Uh, it made my family cry. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who am I, Chad? How about this one? I'm a pro. Chad. Shatner Shad. You just desexualized. Fuck it! Oh, you did! That's, that's, that's enough mic rattling. We'll just have to wait till uh, everybody will have to wait for the uh, the final release of that that recording. Nobody, everybody wants to hear about the recording. I'll just to give you a clue, King Kong. But you won't actually hear it in the, our King Kong episode. There was half an episode you didn't hear there, and that's that, right. Um. Also, I'll ask you to uh, please rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. We really... We need the love. We love the love. We, love, we, we run the show on love. So uh, I mentioned the website already. And you can actually reach us uh, at our email if you need to get in contact with us. If uh, we neglected to mention your favorite part of the Back to Future trilogy or you think we're too easy on it. You like two or three or one or whatever. Just let us know at nerds at nerdstocking.com. I think that does it. See you later, Doc. Goodbye. All right, fellas. I'm afraid you just chewed on loud. Next place.